0: Yeah, alright, I'll just read the synopsis and we'll fill it in. We're not introducing everybody. What no 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 no, I'm just <laughs> to right. so just gonna
1: go straight into it. <laughs> no we, That would be a cool episode. You just go straight to the synopsis and let the listeners go, What the hell's going on? Two D The Flat Frontier. These are the voyages of the Pancake Enterprise. Its rotoscoped mission. To repeat the same animation and music. To transcend the limitations of 70s animation. To go boldly where no cartoon has gone before. Toon Trek. Based upon Star Trek. Created by Gene Roddenberry. Starring Paul Spataro. Also starring Dave Pascarella, with Bill Robinson, and Andrew Leyland, as Andy. Production assistant J. David Weeter.
0: Hello, and welcome to Trek, the continuing adventures of the prophets discovering... Star Trek The Animated Series. I am Dr. Bill, who, through rain or sleet or power outage, is here today with my effervescent co-hosts.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I'll be effervescent. I am not effervescent. I don't think I've ever been effervescent. Closest to that is having a glass of Alka-Seltzer.
0: The always effervescent Andrew Leyland. I am always effervescent. I'm, I'm always, like one of those tablets that you drop into water. Yeah. <laughs> the always flat Paul Spitaro.
2: Flat or fat, one or the other.
0: And I I got no uh, adjective for you, Dave. who <laughs> uh,
2: defies bubbly, bubbly, Dave.
0: Bubbly, bubbly Dave. Bubuley. Dave, Dave Dave bubuley. Dave bubble. <laughs>
1: He's <laughs> going to start crooning Christmas songs out of us in a minute. I
3: am dreaming of a
1: wine.
0: That's how you get. Bing Crosby had a stroke? What was that? I, so
2: I, I thought know. it was Perry Coleman. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I was aiming for Bing, but it didn't quite work out.
0: Sound more like Perry well, Coleman. He's, he's
1: not a very big target, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs>
0: About two meters wide. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so today we are covering another. Uh, well, I shouldn't give away the shouldn't give away the uh, review before we get to, to the episode. We're covering another episode. Today's episode is the Time Trap. It's so good, I can't wait to talk about the novel. <laughs> the time <laughs> Trap called Time Trap, and the other all the other Time Trap references we have today. But this episode was aired on November 17th, 1973. It is episode number 11 of season one, directed by Hal Sutherland and written by Joyce Perry. Um, and our synopsis uh, is... Thin as it is, which we'll fill in, goes like this. On start 5267.2... Oh, they could get that detail, but we couldn't get more details. Anyway, while exploring the Delta Triangle... Yeah, I said that. ...where many starships have disappeared... This is really starting to sound familiar. The Federation Starship Enterprise is attacked by several Klingon vessels. During the battle, they are caught in an ion storm... The Enterprise and one Klingon battle cruiser one battle cruiser are drawn uh, what the Enterprise and one of the Klingon battle cruisers are drawn into a space time vortex and end up in a timeless dimension in what could only be called a graveyard for space vessels or the DMV. Captain Kirk and his crew are shocked to find that the descendants of the crews of these various vessels are still alive and have formed a government calling themselves the Elasian Council, or Congress. The crew discovers that the time warp will gradually disintegrate the Enterprise's dilithium crystals. Their only means of escape is to link their ship with the Klingons and their commander corps. Yes, that corps, although voiced by... James Doohan. Thank you. And to and try to power themselves out of the Vortex. Now, what is not in the synopsis is that the Klingons are going to have rigged an explosive device on the Enterprise, and once they get out of, the vortex, out of the Vortex, they will blow up the Enterprise and take credit for it. All hail the Empire. However, that does not happen, and the Elysian Council is going to says, you're responsible for your crew. If your crew does anything bad, we're going to put the Klingons in uh, timeout for a hundred years. Kirk's like, no, 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 please. That's our only chance to get out. Let them try. They're a young race. They're stupid. They don't know what they're doing. Then they try it. They get out. Kirk makes it. Back to the status quo. Does that pretty much cover it? Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah... I mean, yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay, right. First of all, this one's dumb, right? It's just boring. Okay. (laughs) Right. First of all, okay. How come Kirk says, uh, no, Scott, no, Kirk says first ships have been disappearing in this area since the beginning of time. What? (laughs) How does he know that? A the beginning of whose time what time they get through the vortex right and scotty says there are ships here i've only ever seen crude drawings of in old museums so they have the technology to build starships but not the technology to take pictures of these starships <laughs> they just gave a crayon <laughs> to a child and said oh we've been starship throw it for us kid and that's all that survived through history that
0: kid's crayon drawing now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I wonder, when did the book Chariots of the Gods come out? That, uh, that the 70s, the whole,
1: because it's also the inspiration late, for battles. This, this is light
0: probably that. an offshoot of that. This is probably how, I guarantee you, that's what why this was in here, because of the time this was written and when that book came out, that that the, was the hot thing. I just thought they were doing
1: the Bermuda Triangle in space. Oh, that's that's very, very, very
0: badly. Well, that was the other big thing, because I remember that when I was in grade school, all books about the,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the Bermuda Triangle and the Navy flight that disappeared and the ships and was there gas bubbles that come up and make the ships sink and, you know, time warps, blah, 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 aliens. Yeah.
3: It was on In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy all about the Bermuda
0: <laughs> Triangle. I remember watching those, yep.
2: This, this is another episode. And, and it's it's because I feel like it's a theme here where it's another missed opportunity because, you know, the Bermuda Triangle is an easy, an easy target. But then to take that further and create this Elysian Council, I think that's kind of cool, having all these different alien races that have been on Star Trek and then some that, you know, we've never seen before uh, in this council. And they make, like, no real effort to milk that beyond just showing, you know, cartoon drawings of these people. You also have Corrin in there, who's, you know, a character from the original series, uh, you know, although I wish it wasn't John Calicos had been available mm-hmm. to do the voice instead of the awful James Doohan voice that he gives him. Uh, oh, but not there's not the so much potential Let's there to do stuff Let's with be this honest. and make this an entertaining episode. And, and the worst voice, by the way, the worst voice characterization is James Doohan doing the old Vulcan
1: Oh, no, 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 the, no. The worst is Nichelle Nichols. <laughs> I am going to like this. Why oh, I milk out my lines for a very long time. So, and I'm like, you Jesus, know, and, this and episode would be 15 minutes make, if she
2: didn't do that. I don't want to make every episode of this show us... us Ragging on the voice characterizations because it just is what it is. The voice characterizations characterizations generally suck because they're trying to save money, and the animation generally is is primitive because they're trying to you know they didn't have the uh, the budget to really make it look well or look you know as good as it could have. But that aside, See, I, think I thought the, the Klingon on the attack at the so beginning was good. Do you?
1: Yeah, know. the Klingon, the attack with the Klingon vessels at the beginning I thought was good because it looked like they just rotoscoped mm-hmm. any confrontations like that from the show but put a bit more sparkly backgrounds on. So I thought that was quite interesting. And the first half of it is really good. And then you get these people who now live in the Bermuda Triangle or the Delta Triangle or whatever, stupid name, they're hanging on it, the Delta variant. Um,
2: somebody somebody all said it should have been the Delta Pyramid, not Triangle, because it's a yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> the space.
1: And they've yeah. all made peace living in there and are all happy and content to live there. And then Kirk's we're all, yeah, fuck that, we're going You know, it's, it, this is one of the worst examples of him upturning a culture just because he doesn't approve of it. <coughs> yeah, but he doesn't upturn the culture. He just wants to leave. I yeah, mean him wanting to leave is fine, but he seems to think they should all want to leave as well. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I love the apple yeah well I don't mind it in the Apple so much because he's trying his reason for doing it in the Apple is he's trying to give them their own free will to make their own decisions which is a different premise from here (laughs) yeah whereas here they've made their decision they're quite happy to live here they're fine they've made their peace with it and he's like no 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 you can't do that this is one of the few times I agree with all those critics who say he was always breaking the prime directive no he wasn't you Actually, pay attention, he doesn't break the prime directive that much at all. But then this episode happens, and you're like, Yeah, okay, fair enough. You're,
0: you're making me think of Kirk as like Graham Chapman from Money Pie. <laughs> right,
1: right, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. get out of this. No, nope, no, nope. yep, this go. is too nope. silly. <laughs> no, <Nope>. stop, stop. <laughs> i did like the ticking clock bit there's a lot of the episode that, that is okay the ticking clock of right we have to work together with the klingons we've only got a certain amount of time to do it they could have milked that for a bit more tension like think the end of the doomsday machine where he's all scotty anytime you want to beat me out that'd be great that could and again it's like paul was just saying they, they just don't bother and it is one of those things where it's not the running time that hurts this one because God knows we couldn't have suffered this story for 48 minutes. It's that they just, they just don't, they just don't bother with it. And Shatner's performance in this is really flat, which is unlike him. It re- this really does sound like he recorded in his trailer in between TJ Hooker gigs or something. And it's it's just the, the potential is here for a really good episode. Yeah, and that like was is always when easily. I get my most frustrated with it it's when the potential's there for a good one and they don't exploit that potential
3: well if you had this today a la say Clone Wars this would have been an arc Yeah, they would have gotten there there would have been some intrigue with the council and you would have seen the inter- which I think would have been good and then the escape maybe three or four episodes
1: Yeah, Kirk or Spock or whatever would have found a reason that they couldn't stay there and the council couldn't stay there. Maybe there's something in this alternate reality place that they've moved to that's killing them that they're not aware of because they don't have the same technology that Kirk has on the Enterprise. And then he's got to convince them, no, you can't stay. If you stay, you're going to die. So then he's got that conflict as well as having to work with the Klingons as well as only having a certain amount of time to get back to his own dimension.
2: It just it just feels lazy to me, which you know, it took an idea that is always ripe to be played with, you know, the, the Bermuda Triangle, and and you know, I mean, it, it's it's so it seems so easy to come up with things that will be interesting, and then like I said, when, once they came up with the Elysian Council, I really feel like it's so ripe to take that and make it into an entertaining episode, and they said, okay, we're there now, uh, all right, that's all. I don't feel like working on this anymore. <laughs> That's what it feels like.
1: Yeah, it, it really did mm. feel like, yeah, we've got another episode to do.
2: Wrap it up, I don't want to work on this
1: anymore. <laughs> yeah. Which is a shame, because there's, there's an interesting nugget of ideas here, once again, that they could have explored. And I love Scotty's exclamation when he sees that that stuff had a ship that had what drive? And I'm thinking, the producers of Enterprise never watched this show, did they?
2: <laughs> well, there's, there's a... Uh, Kind of a retro thought uh, that one of the insects that's in the council could have been a, a member of the Zindi from Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, that would—that's
1: mm-hmm. cool. I like that retcon. I, that's brilliant. Yeah, I like that. There was an, there's an Orion slave girl there, isn't there? Yes. Yes. I, and I love that there's a gun, <laughs> but the gun doesn't do anything, which is a real missed opportunity.
2: Again, yeah, it's well, a missed opportunity.
0: Well, that's because it was too cold in the room. He he was in hibernation.
1: Yes. So yeah, and and yes, we don't like to just bag on the voice acting, but come on, there's got to be a couple more cents (laughs) in the budget for another woman actor.
2: Uh, Or or (laughs) I mean. Hey, James Doohan do six, like, six voices in this?
1: It's too yeah, much. Yeah, well, Michelle Nichols does, and Takai does, and for all of, you know, we, God bless George Takai, but he does not have a voice where he can do other voices. He's instantly recognisable as George Takai. I mean, bless Doohan, at least he's trying.
2: Oh. <laughs> I I remember hearing, like, a you know, oh, James Doohan, such a great voice actor, because, you know, the, the Scotty, uh, Accent was not his real speaking voice.
1: You mean he, uh, he wasn't really on from and Scotland? On about
2: how he could do all these accents, <laughs> and now I'm watching the show and saying, "Really, this is it? This is what they bragged about for all those years?"
1: Yeah, he's he's not he's not that chameleonic, is he? Absolutely
2: not.
1: Hmm. But yeah, and you know, there's 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 stuff to like. I mean, I, I love Bones in this one again. DeForest Kelly coming in and saving the day at the last minute. But uh, yeah, it just feels like a missed opportunity. It's not awful, is it? I mean, it's just a little bit boring.
2: Nah, you, you know what? But boring on a show like this is awful.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, especially when they're only twenty, what, twenty four minutes long. You shouldn't be bored in a twenty four minute show,
2: especially one that has potential. Mm-hmm. There's there's no reason that this shouldn't be this this show should be entertaining with them giving a half assed effort. Yeah. You know, there's, the there's coolest to play with there
3: the coolest aspect is just the seeing all the different races
2: together and, and never, the jumble of ships you know they, they never really did anything with it all they did was say oh you see them all sitting there look at look carefully because we're going to go on to something else alright that's it <laughs> you know they needed yeah, to, to, was... to do something to make you say you know now that's cool that we see all of these people. Let's look at, you know, we're seeing their personalities. We're seeing, you know, what how they react differently to this situation. We needed something, some meat to it.
1: Yeah, maybe the idea that the count that some people on the council were like, no, we've got this opportunity to go home. I want to go home, and maybe some dissension in the ranks. Maybe a couple of them are like, no, I'm quite happy to stay here, thanks. And others Can are let's... like,
2: no. That would have made it interesting. You know, I had a shit yeah. life at home, and, I, and over here I'm part of the council. This is wonderful. Yeah.
1: And them, maybe other people are like, no, I, I had a family. I, I think that's a
3: trope from the 70s, because I distinctly remember there being a Superman comic where it was a very similar plot where a plane carrying the main characters disappeared, and he finds an alternate reality with all these people. Nobody wants to go home except the main characters. Everybody else is, oh, no, we've made a life here. We're happy. So maybe it was a thing out of the 70s
1: when we thought we were going to blow up the world.
2: So the
3: 70s were
1: so shit. People wanted to fall through wormholes.
2: Speaking of comic books, in in looking this up, I saw that uh, Star Trek number 15 from August of 1972 by Gold Key Comics had a very, very similar story which came out a year before this story was actually written. And it's titled "Museum at the End of Time." Uh, I, I, I have the uh, the DVD of uh, Star Trek comic book episode uh, issues, so I sent you As guys, do I. Yep. I sent you guys the uh, the file for this particular comic, uh, and I you know I paged through it. The, the, those comics were so difficult to read. Uh, uh, but some of the arts interesting. What I got edit. a kick out of is if you turn to the to, to the splash page on it, the uh, the the guy that they're talking to, the museum curator, for lack of a better word, <laughs> he he looks to me like a a character actor that you'd be familiar with if you look him up, Phil Leeds. Hmm. He, he was uh he, he's he's one of those that guy character actors. Uh, I would say probably the easiest reference would be in the movie Ghost. He was the old man in the hospital. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Wasn't
0: he on Seinfeld
2: as well? Uh, possibly. I, I don't remember, remember him though. on Seinfeld. He may have passed away, but I, I, remember actually. I remember him doing a spot on Friends at one time. So he may. Oh, me- maybe it's Friends I'm thinking of. Yeah.
0: He was on The Monkees.
2: Oh, uh, he was around for you know for 50 years as a character actor, and, and he's he's one of these guys who always looked older. Even when he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wilfred Brimley. Yeah, or uh, I can't even think of who's the, who's the guy. He was in. Uh, he was around forever. He was in uh, "It's a Wonderful Life." He was at like, this young man would be looking to George Bailey for a job. Oh, I know the angel. Charles Charles Lane is his name, uh, and he always looked old. Even even when he was saying this young man, he didn't look young then either.
0: It was on "Everybody Loves Raymond." Uncle
2: Mel to me that was the most interesting thing about the comic is that that guy looked like Phil Leeds otherwise (laughs) you know it's a very similar story that you know trapped in this place with all the different places you know all the different races Uh, (laughs) there's one shot where there's like a Klingon and he's, he's like all well with as like a, a commando, you know, with the green outfit and the band yeah, that there. was
0: a little off-putting.
2: <laughs> but you know, the the art in those com- I found the art in those comics to be very uninviting.
0: Yeah. Well, the, some of the coloring is just really off. Like uh, McCoy and Kirk both have the same color tunic, and I'm just like, no. It's like there's only two color tunics. This like puke gold green mixture and spock's got a blue one just eh, eh. spock's the only one but blue everybody else has the same uh
1: right do you think they'd only seen where no man has gone before in the cage then
2: possibly Mm. (laughs) i don't i don't think that all of the writers of the comic book were really well versed on the series
1: i'm just wondering because it's only in those two episodes they only have the two colors gold and and blue but
2: you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Gold Key Comics, Charlton Comics. Uh, I'm trying to think of Dell. All of those, you know, they, they were infamous for not having very high budgets on their uh, printing. Especially Charlton. I think that was the one in particular that was very low budget in its uh, printing process. So yeah. you know, the, I'm sure they they were saving money on ink.
0: All the Klingons <laughs> are in like <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have the crayons to do another color. Why are most of the Klingons bald? Radiation. Or are those not Klingons and just the one Klingon? Yeah, they were wearing like commando outfits. It's very strange.
2: At least they weren't going commando.
0: Oh, no. Especially after what we discovered in Discovery. The two-pronged attack is uh-huh. all I'll say.
2: Redundant organs.
0: <laughs> and then some.
2: So, yeah, that's not not a great comic, but it was the same concept. But, you know, to try and point to this comic and, and say, oh, they stole the idea, is a little bit silly. Because I think this idea, although interesting, I think it's, it's kind of basic. You know, the Bermuda Triangle and, you know, what happens to all the people who go through it. I, I think it kind of writes itself a little bit. And that's why I find this episode, back to the episode, to be so... Disappointing because, okay, you're going to take the most basic concept that like a 12-year-old could come up with, and then you're not going to do anything entertaining with it beyond, you know, having pictures of the other alien races. Uh, to me, that's really all they did. That was, you know, where, the, where they tried to mine it a little bit for something entertaining. Yes. Oh, I understand. So, they found this episode to be so fascinating that they wrote some sort of a uh, sequel to it. Is that correct? I don't know about that. I thought you said there was a book that you read.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. My book is not a sequel.
2: Oh, my mistake. I take it all back. Yes, no. Uh,
0: So, there was a book. That came out just like r- exactly before or right about the time that the uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation was going to come out. It was in the it was in the pocketbook series of uh, Star Trek novels. This was number forty. It is titled Time Trap <laughs> by David Devorkin. And I picked up this book, and uh, this 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 would be a real life with Dr. Bill.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for real life.
0: So, in uh, May of 1988 Is that what it was? 1988? Yeah, yep, okay. I uh, I joined the, the United States Navy, and on my trip out to San Diego, California, from Tampa, Florida, all I took with me was the clothes on my back, a pair of sunglasses, and the Star Trek novel Time Trap, which I read on my Numerous flights to get to San Diego, and uh, as I uh, as I got got to San Diego, and you have to turn in all your clothes and your personal belongings. However, some people didn't realize, you know, some guys brought tons of luggage and all this crap. I had the I had the inside Iggy travel light, and we'll send you your stuff later. So. And there was a lot of things that people had to turn in, or they thought they had to turn in. So like cologne and this and that, and they were just you know oh no you can't have that you got to turn this in. And uh, I walk up, I put down my my book and my sunglasses, and I slide it across the table, and I'm like, can you give me a return receipt form, please? Well, no, this just needs to go in that box. I'm like, you need to give me a return receipt form, and I know you need to give me a return receipt form because because my fo- because my my dad was in the navy my recruiter told me you have to do this so the guy like mm-hmm, hands me a form I fill out and like all, a bunch of these people had turned in a, a bunch of their things and basically got thrown away or maybe dispersed among some other people there so yeah i got to so when i got out of boot camp i got my clothes back I got my book back, and I got my sunglasses back. So, that's the real life story. Now, I'll tell you about the book. So, the book. The book, uh, I'll just read the quick blurb on that's that's on it. In a remote area of Federation space, the Enterprise picks up an urgent distress signal from a Klingon vessel. Tracing the SOS, the crew finds the Klingon cruiser Mauler trapped in a dimensional storm of unprecedented power. Yet, paradoxi- <laughs> paradoxically, yeah, that word. The ship refuses both the Enterprise's call and offers of help. Determined to discover what the Klingons are doing in Federation space, Kirk beams aboard their ship with the security team. Just as the storm flares to its highest intensity, as the bridge crew watches in horror, Mauler vanishes from the Enterprise's view screen, and James T. Kirk awakens 100 years in the future. <laughs> 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 sorry carry on yeah so uh one of the things I always remember from this book is the kind of crappy cover <laughs> I don't know if you guys it's, are looking it's, at just, the... it's just Kirk in a black t-shirt isn't it it's Kirk in a black t-shirt and it's like his face looks so weird and the Klingon that's with him they made her look like uh, Frida Kahlo the um the Mexican painter. She has rather the pronounced uh, unibrow kind of thing. Just saying. I I know I've insulted somebody and well. <laughs> That's why we're not getting involved, dude. Yeah, you guys. You th- thanks, thanks, guys. Just let me hang. Just so us. anyway, Hold it's on. uh it's a big ruse. Uh, the Klingons uh, are so. Uh, what is her name? Cult. Colrind is the lady the, the lady Klingon. Um, so these Klingons are all taking drugs to suppress their they're trying to pretend that they're from the future and trick Kirk into into taking a fleet of Klingon ships back to earth. So they're making them think they're from the future and that they and, and that he's in the future and that there's peace between the Klingons, which there will be in the future because remember the same time that Next Gen was out was beginning so uh, but Kirk figures you know they all figure out it's a ruse and everything and then at the end the Klingon lady she's like I hated you all along oh you patak oh, so yeah Yeah, I guess Kirk had kind of fallen for her from, from what I remember I mean it's been like 30 some odd years since I've read this book so but hey, at the at, at the time when I was sitting on a plane traveling across the country at numerous uh, like stops on the way, it was a good way to kill kill my time on the flight. So that's why I always remember this book, and I still have this book just for the sentimental reasons. It was not one I turned in when I got when I ditched like the majority of my uh, of my Star Trek novels. So that's all I got to say about this
2: novel okay well i was trying to give you like a good segue because i misunderstood what you were going to talk about that's why i started talking about the sequel because okay. i had seen on uh star trek on animated star trek uh, their website i had found uh, a reference to a sequel novel so i'm going to hit on that for a moment oh. okay. uh, and i thought that's what you were talking about when you had mentioned it earlier uh but in september of 2003 apparently there was a uh direct sequel novel to the time trap called uh, what is it? <laughs> time where, where time stands still. And they give a synopsis. Again, here. the T M V. Oh, sorry. It says before before the twenty fourth century adventures of <laughs> David Gold, Sonia Gomez, and the crew of the USS Da Vinci came the more rough and tumble Starfleet Corps of Engineers of the twenty third century. In the wake of an incident involving the starship Enterprise and the infamous Delta Triangle, Lieutenant Commander Muhammad Al Khalil Khalid, excuse me, and the crew of the rundown U.S. Lovell must open the triangle and also find a lost generation ship that was last seen entering the phenomena. But the mission grows even more complex when the Gorn arrive, demanding at gunpoint that the Gorn criminals inside the Triangle be returned to them, a gripping new 23rd century drama in the tradition of Foundations. During their adventures near the Delta Quadrant, the crew of the USS Lovell work with the crew of science starship USS Tesora, including science officer Lieutenant Commander Curtis Denshauer. And that's it. That's hmm. the synopsis that they give you.
1: So it was every a, episode of the original Star Trek out a sequel now. Hmm. Has every episode of the original Star Trek got
0: a sequel now?
2: Pretty much, I think.
0: Oh, I can think of one novel, uh, "Cry of the Onlies," which ties in at least two episodes of uh, the original series in an, in uh, a novel. The one with the planet with the guy that uh, created the android that Kirk fell in love with. Uh, he was Reckon Johann Bosch. Yes, yes. So. He is in that, and he is with, uh, you know, the planet of, uh, you know, no, lovey dovey, bonk bonk. <laughs> those those little kids. So like he gets with so those. So he gets, kids. He ends up with the Miri kids. Yes, yes, he ends up with the <laughs> Miri
2: kids. <laughs> that's but that's the problem with some of these novels is they try to tie too many things in Star Trek history together, and it just makes the the universe too small. That everything is, you know, everything's connected.
1: Yeah. It's like when when Rafa Khan came out, it just opened the floodgates to do sequels to every single episode. And you don't have to sequel The Lights of Zeta.
2: (laughs) You don't have to do The Lights of Zeta at all.
0: Well, that that episode always freaked me out when they changed her voice. I'm like, ah, 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 when I was a
1: little kid. (laughs) Although, that being said... I'd love to know what happened to um what's the name after Turnabout Intruder? What was her name? Janice Lester. Yeah. It's
2: I'd love to know. probably something out there to tell you.
1: It probably is, yeah. Just Google Janice Lester and see what happens.
2: Okay. Is well, anybody? Is, is this all we have on this particular story?
0: Well, yeah. I, it's I think we actually came up with a lot of subsequent tie-ins or other things that were tangential. More so than we usually do, I think. For an a- episode that was... yeah, I guess if you want me to rate it, I'll go ahead and rate it.
1: Yeah. Well, do, do, if, The one if thing if we didn't talk about... It, we rate that, every episode, Bill. We, <laughs> didn't talk, we didn't talk about the fact that Spock's really weird in this one for reasons, and then Kirk doesn't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the guy who's like broke rules, Starfleet rules to take him back to Vulcan to Shagtipring because his mate was acting a bit out of sorts doesn't notice that he's been a bit weird here. Although, to be fair, in a mock time, it's Dr. McCaw you pointed out, isn't it? Well, I. Yeah, yeah. It is. Kirk, too wrapped up in himself to notice.
0: I mean, it wasn't until... Because that was when the soup comes flying out, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe I should see see what's going on with my crew. Oh, right. Maybe Dr. McCoy's right and Spock's throwing a bit of a wobbler. I almost got pea soup all over my outfit. Plumique soup. Plumique, pea. Uh, it's probably made of peas. Plumato. Plumato. Just call the whole thing off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, dear. To be fair, Paul, it's been, what, five months since we recorded, so... Yes, but
2: <laughs> I know This mess, to was only it. two weeks ago.
0: Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Keep two weeks illusion. plus. Uh, let's see. Uh, time trap is an illusion. Lunchtime. Doubly. That's right. That's right. That's why it's taken us five months, to, because we were in a time trap.
2: I'm stuck <laughs> here in the old prison. Please. <laughs> oh, I'm going to give it a rating. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> now you sound like one of the aliens from Galaxy Quest. <laughs> no,
0: I, I am going to talk about the time no, right? no, like We will give it a rating. <laughs> I sound like a robot. You know, some like I sound like a. I sound like the early Cybermen from Doctor Who. Mm. We are in, not the. Excellent. Later. Oh, the
1: really early ones, the the two. Yes, the yes, Cyberman.
0: the really, really early ones, not the uh, not the guy, uh, not from like Doctor uh, from the fourth Doctor, the fifth Doctor, the the guy that played the 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 lead si- si- Cyberman. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: he
1: was great. He was great. David Fox, with me, yeah? I am
0: I gave you this. Oh, what am I gonna give this? Oh scale of five. Uh oh, I'm I think I'm really gonna give it ooh, a one and a half uh one and a half drained lithium crystals.
1: Mm. It's really hard to rate mediocrity, isn't it? It's well, not bad go enough to be a one. But it's not good enough to be a four or a five. You're going one and <laughs> a half. Gap this. I'm going one yeah. and a half. I think I'll go one and a half with you. It's It's got a good beginning. It starts well. It's got some interesting ideas. The very idea of Kirk having to work with core, something could have been done about that. Something could this have had been done John for course. Course It would have been yeah. a two or yeah.
0: maybe higher.
1: Yeah, even just bringing Colico's back may have raised it a little bit. But as it is, yeah, like Paul said earlier on, you shouldn't be bored in a 22-minute episode. (laughs) No. (laughs)
2: It shouldn't allow for that. So I'm going to go one and a half as well. Yeah, I had it down as one and a half even before you guys rated it. So we're all on the same page with that. I just feel like, you know there was so much that could have been this could have been so so much better this could have been yes. a five-star episode i mean it really could yeah. have if they really yeah. exploited all the opportunities that they had and they did nothing with it the, the yeah. like i said what the if... interesting thing was having you know you see uh, the the council and and just be saying oh look at that alien look at that alien that's not good enough it's 1.5 yeah
1: what if they got the and they built this wonderful society over the past 100 years all these races put aside the differences and working together like in proper star trek because they've they've got no choice they can't get back home they have to work together and then something happens like i said kirk discovers something that they all have to go home and essentially he's he's got to destroy this paradise world that they've built how about something like that had happened
2: they get there. All the races are singing the teamwork song, except for the Gorn, <laughs> like, like two notes behind as he's singing hey, teamwork. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I gave it a two. Look at Dave. I day, right? and love this episode. This is <laughs> the- I don't. I like that it played into the whole Bermuda Triangle fad of the, the early to mid seventies. I did like the uh, seeing all the different aliens together and the various ships, and uh, the lost potential. What could have been?
2: This is this is Dave's version of move along home because he's going to go down in <laughs> in the record books as having loved this one while we all hated it. Almerain,
1: with a two, no less. Mm-hmm. Well, Lance, I got tagged with loving Move Along Home for the rest of the time that we did that
2: show. And if you look
1: back, I still only gave it a two. <laughs> you know, I didn't say it was
2: good. Uh, <laughs> by our standards for that episode, you loved it.
1: Yes, all right. Yeah. I loved Move Along Home. It's
3: a good thing I waited till we were halfway through the series to drop this bomb.
2: <laughs> well, that's what we you all thought of trap, this episode. Lover. The question is, what did Blaine say? Blah, 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 Blaine.
0: I don't know what it said, so he'll say it now, say it now, say it now. Incoming transmission.
4: Hi, guys. We have officially passed the halfway point, as this is episode 12 out of 22. The Time Trap. Much like last week, we get a common science fiction trope that doesn't work upon closer examination. The good news is that the part that doesn't work isn't crucial to the plot. I'll get that part out of the way first. Pocket universes have issues, but they are the same issues involved in making warp drives, so I might as well accept them in the context of this universe. The issue I have is that the characters are centuries old, living far longer than they used to because time flows differently there. Sure, time can run more slowly, but then you talk more slowly, breathe more slowly, move more slowly and live more slowly so that the difference is completely imperceptible. The punishment doesn't make sense, but the main thing is that the punishment would make them miss their opportunity to escape and the why is mostly a MacGuffin. That said, the actual resolution is quintessentially Star Trek. Enemies set aside their differences and broker a truce for the benefit of all. Even Spock's affection is logical in context. This one ends up being one of the stronger episodes of the animated series even if the Delta Triangle is redundantly named. Most things named Delta have that name because the capital Greek Delta is shaped like a triangle. You know, the one used for change in, a variable in science equations.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I guess Blaine disagrees with us because he thinks it is one of the stronger animated episodes, and except for Dave, we all thought it was one of the weaker ones.
3: I think Blaine liked it just a little bit more than I did.
2: No, no, no. You, you and Blaine, <laughs> he would not blame it as five. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so uh, it's it it's funny though because he hit on the scientific uh, aspect of it that you know totally went over my head. I wouldn't have <laughs> the whole concept of the pocket universe and how fast tra- time travels in there. When they say, "Oh yeah, time travels slower here," I just say, "Okay." Whereas Blaine actually figures out, you know, what the scientific uh, ramifications of that are. But, well, uh, mm. wouldn't it be relative to
0: the people that are in it? Like, if the if time does, well, yeah, then they... ah, uh, oh, my brain hurts.
3: Well, 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 I'm blanking. The episode <laughs> where uh, uh, Kirk got sped up, you remember? Oh yeah, yeah, there yeah. yeah some that's group of people. Yeah. <laughs> I hate them.
1: <laughs> the Nats! Wink
0: of an eye. That's yeah. it. Anyway.
2: So, okay, okay. I just have some <laughs> point coming
0: there. No, no. I had a, I, I had a cogent uh, thought and or a tangent or it something. It went away. It <laughs> went away. Uh, right. But what I was going to say was uh, so... If people are confused because they heard us say this is the eleventh episode and Blades said it's the twelfth, I don't know what is actually real. Because have we done the Territon incident? Yes, we did. We did. We did. We did. Okay, but see that says in okay. All right, yeah, there because there's some shenanigans on um uh, uh, the wiki stuff saying that. Territon is the 12th, Time Trap is the 11th, but yet, on the other page, they are in the correct order, and the dates are in the right order, okay, alright, so, that then I take back what I said earlier, saying this was the 11th episode, it was in fact the 12th, so, with that said, what are we doing next time, Ooh, what are we doing you next, football? we've got our patented news section, dudes, news, what news, what is new? news, news, what is news,
1: <laughs> bonk, bonk, no more news. <laughs> There's a new, you, you new animated first. show. The what? A new, we didn't. Well, you didn't leave us time. You jumped straight into the
2: synopsis. No. There's
1: a new animated show.
2: Oh yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. I have not had any experience with it at all as of yet. I, I have look. not seen it
1: either. But I am aware that there is a new animated show. It's called Prodigy. Is that correct?
2: Yes. I believe that is correct. And
1: it's
0: it's got Catherine Janeway in it. Yeah, she's a hologram. She's the command hologram. And Chakotay's showing up at some point. And really? I can't it's
1: imagine the it
0: was in real life. Yeah. yeah. They have a piece of furniture there. Look, this yeah, they is have Chakotay. A piece
1: of there. Well, what will happen is that the, the gym where hologram will plug a, a splinter out of her thumb at some point <laughs> and go, oh, look, Chakotay. That's not for Robert Belcher's. I know. That's a lie. <laughs> All right, that's a lie. Um yeah, I I was just wondering if you guys had seen it cuz I had not, but obviously not. Nope, not yet. I have not, not seen it. That's... Does uh, isn't the new Picard season starting soon? No, the new Discovery season is starting soon. Picard has been pushed back to 2022.
0: Oh. I don't think we well, I and now I think since our last recording 2 weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> there was a trailer that showed q in it yes q
1: is in the new picard show because in the new picard show they come back in time and the federation has been destroyed they have to go back in time to make sure that everything happens as it should which is a startlingly original plot that i'm sure the new writers came up with completely on their own without ever thinking gee i wonder if they did this before
0: well, gee, I wonder if it would be easier to come back in time to present day because it would be on a cheaper budget. <clears throat> You'd all of wear masks.
1: <laughs> That'd make it for an interesting show, would it? Hmm? Mm. Yes. Yeah, so as far as I know, Discovery's launching at the end of this month as we record this, which is November. Prodigy's already on the air. Uh, the second season of Lower Decks has just finished. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, I watched all that. Uh, I did too. I, I honestly... It's kind of growing should on me. On. We, should, we should carry on and do Lower Decks. We should keep Trek going. Because hmm? I think that would be fascinating, because you originally didn't like it at all. Is that right? And Paul was like, it got better. And I was, uh, it's okay. And during the second season, I've come round to it, with the exception of Beckett Mariner, who I find the single most irritating character to ever appear on Star Trek, ever... But the show itself, I've actually I've actually come around
0: to. I'm getting a chuckle when they show Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> yeah. He's just so over the top.
1: Oh, the cheese factor is off the scale. Get that cheese to sick bay. <laughs> Still our greatest contribution from Star Trek 4. Oh no, there's Coffee in that Nebula, that's another classic as well, isn't it? So yeah, I was just wondering if you guys had seen Prodigy, but if you haven't, then Star Trek News is a big, damp, web squib, as usual.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't think of any other...
1: Well, William Shatner went into space. William Shatner went into space because he is the most awesome man to have ever walked on this planet, and we are not worthy to share the same air
2: as him. And George Takai has sour grapes.
3: Oh, shut up, George. Shut <laughs> up. I
2: just I think William go Shatner going into space is kind of like redundant as far as I'm concerned.
1: <laughs> Guy's 91 years old and he went into space. Come on.
2: I love and the Dr.
1: Idea. Evil shot him in the
0: space in a penis shaped rocket. <laughs> I,
2: I love the idea that everybody <laughs> cool. should, on Earth should have put, put on Planet of the Apes outfits for when he landed.
0: <laughs> when he got
2: back. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, then he could have so, reenacted that Steve where he's going no 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 no.
2: <laughs> so what are we doing next God
0: time
2: <laughs> next time
1: on an all new episode of Toon Trek the Ambergris element
2: I we'll, think we'll see I if, don't, we I get, don't get, know if we what can all record we're doing, that before another the months that. goes
0: by yeah we'll, we'll try, and two weeks. We try to do that two weeks not five months two uh, weeks ooh, it's a water planet ooh Ooh. yes hey it's man
1: from atlantis star trek style
2: oh there's gonna I be have a fought?
1: fucking dolphin in it that'd be
0: awesome what are we what, what are we watching sequest yes sequest trek v taking
1: so me think
2: of uh, sam kinnison when he talked about like the people in in you know who live in the desert and don't have food so well, get the hell out of there so see this? Is it's it is. sand. You know what it's gonna be in a hundred years? It's gonna be fucking sand. <laughs> you can't grow anything in it.
1: Hey, sand, I guess, everyone.
0: <laughs> Storms <Annie>. coming in. <laughs> Annie, little Annie. Little orphan Annie. I have such fond memories of Man from Atlantis. I should probably not go back and watch. No,
1: no, you should not. It got repeated recently. I was gonna do a show on it. I didn't bother. to be fair the first telemovie is okay and then it's the rapidly diminishing returns from that point Ah. the series is actually borderline unwatchable Mm. watch the first telemovie the first telemovie is quite interesting and then it goes a little bit sillier and a little bit sillier Mm. and then it goes full on stupid suddenly patrick duffy's meeting alien duplicates of himself on an underwater planet underwater undersea city or something so patrick duffy can do split screen and play against himself and get this it's also a cowboy world what <laughs> yep <laughs> and you're like it's not Water? that long ago that what? this show wasn't awful what yes. what yes
0: what yes i suddenly became david Tennant.
1: Yes, I'm not kidding.
0: <laughs> Good Omens 2 is filming. I don't know if anybody watched the first Good Omens. I loved Good Omens.
1: I'm struggling to understand what it's going to do with Star Trek. Yeah, me
0: too. Nothing, but we don't get to talk much.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, I, mean, <laughs> right. the Man from I think it's time for us to least, sign off. In, in... The
1: Man from Atlantis was at least produced by Herb Solo and had a lot of Star Trek writers on it.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think I think it's time to bid everybody goodbye, and you guys continue your your, your discussion. Of
1: I have a ship to tend to, au revoir.
2: And I have breakfast to eat.
1: Take care, everybody. See you bye next bye. time in two weeks. Honest. Sounds good. Yeah, maybe. Trek is based upon Star Trek created by Gene Roddenberry, and is a Tutu Freaks presentation. It's hosted by Andrew Leyland Paul Spataro, Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson, and produced and guest hosted on occasion by J. David Wheaton. All music and clips are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a review show, and as such, protected under fair use. Yeah, let's go with that. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Trek.
3: I've been saying this for a while with, for me, almost everything that's new. I would rather watch something old than something new because it's like the old program, the two cops solved the crime. That was it. You didn't know who they went home to. You didn't know what their issues were. <laughs> it was a cop show. I don't care what his issues
1: are. <laughs> at home. Well, there's a, there's a Shoot same. I it out. You about move on. The same thing. yeah, move on.